You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Joining us on today's episode of Locked on Phillies for a Locked on Phillies, Locked on Pirates crossover. It is Ethan Smith ahead of uh, the Phillies and Pirates playing a three-game series at PNC Park in Pittsburgh this weekend. And also, you know, Phillies made the uh, trade that everyone was expecting uh, today with the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, for a AAA reliever. Not exactly Tyler Anderson, not exactly a blockbuster move. We're sitting here recording this just hours before the MLB trade deadline. Something might break as we're recording. Something might break just after we get done recording that is the fun of trade deadline day but uh before i go on any further ethan how you doing today doing all right man i mean the pirates i haven't really gotten a lot of sleep this week uh because one we're also you're the phillies host the other day of course we traded tyler anderson to you and then there was like a four-hour saga of not trading him to the phillies and then trading him to the mariners it all started with adam frazier going to the padres and then everything else has just went like downhill and I'm not very optimistic about the series against the Phillies either, considering we just got outscored 28 to three against the Brewers. So we'll see how it goes this weekend. Yeah. Give me your, uh, your assessment of the Pirates trade deadline thus far. And again, as we sit here just a few hours before uh, the deadline, what do you, you know, what are you anticipating happening here? Um, So I've liked what we've done. Um, Charrington so far now counting the Phillies trade that was made today has acquired eight prospects. So the thing that I like to see from this though, is a lot of these guys are at the top of their farm systems from where they came from, like the Mariners trade specifically, they're up there. Uh, especially the Padres trade showed this off with Tucapita Marcano, who is a number five prospect in a very solid Padres system that features guys like Mackenzie Gore, Louis Campusano. And um, one guy that a lot of people, Pirates fans wanted to get uh, was um, CJ Abrams, but that was not going to happen. Um, but Marcano was fifth on that board. He's almost MLB ready. And he comes into the pirates farm system. And everybody's like, okay, he'll probably be like 15, 14 ish. He drops to 35, depending on what metric you read. He's in the 30 to 38 range. So that just really tells me the Charrington has made good trades, bringing in more good guys, good prospects, but none of them are already at the ceiling that some of the guys we have already which is a good thing because now you've just built up a farm system that's not only built on quality, but you have so many different options in the middle infield, in the outfield, in the pitching staff. Now, one guy who's been very good also from the Padres trade already is Jack Sawinski. He went right to Altoona, hit two home runs already. So, I mean, I'm all for it. I'm liking what I see. Uh, I think some people, including myself, kind of overvalued Adam Frazier, overvalued some of these guys, but I've liked what I've seen so far. And in terms of any other players you would like to see go, you expect to see go at this point, you know, we're talking about a Pirates team. You know, I think it's pretty safe to say they're in rebuilding mode, 22 and a half games out of first place in the NL Central, you know, one of the worst records in all of baseball. How much of the reset mode are you hitting here with the Pirates? Is there anyone off limits? Because as you've mentioned, there have been a number of guys who have had good seasons for the Pirates, but, you know, could find themselves on the way out. Um, well, as of right now, the only untouchables I'd say would be key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. Uh, a lot of people who know nothing about the pirates were like, Oh, we can get Brian Reynolds, but don't realize that if we would have traded 
for example, if we would have traded Brian Reynolds to the Padres, it would have taken CJ Abrams and Mackenzie Gore. That's how much they value Brian Reynolds, which is why they need to extend him. Key Brian Hayes, for obvious reasons, because he's a much younger player, is also untouchable. But yesterday, I heard things about Kevin Newman. He's more of a defensive first shortstop right now. His average is low. But the one guy that I'm still surprised they haven't moved, but I'm not mad that they haven't moved him, is Richard Rodriguez. Richard Rodriguez has been one of the better closers in baseball. The Phillies were also interested in Richard Rodriguez, which was very interesting that even after the Tyler Anderson fiasco, that they didn't at least try to like go get Rodriguez. And now you see the Blue Jays, who were another team that were interested in him, go get Jose Barrios in what sent Simon Woods Richardson and Austin Martin over there for a pretty big haul. So I'd like to see Rodriguez get moved just because I think he's at the peak of his value. He still has a couple years of team control as well. But if he doesn't get moved, I'm not going to be terribly mad about it. Some bullpen arms are still there as well. Chris Stratton was another guy I thought that Braden Ogle was the last guy I thought that we could trade it. Uh, but Chris Stratton's another guy that could be in there. I've heard rumblings of David Bednar. Uh, he hasn't allowed an earned run in 10 appearances this month, um, but he's a Pittsburgh kid, so I don't want him to go. Outside of that, I mean, realistically, the only other shot in the dark player I could see them trading is Jacob Stallings. I expect one more trade, and at that point, I think they'll be done. Richard Rod- Richard Rodriguez rather was the guy I was going to bring up just because he's been rumored to go a number of places. He's been one of the top closers in baseball this year. He's kind of fallen off production wise ever since the spider tack stuff, but for the most part has had a pretty solid, more than a solid season. Um, and for a team like the Phillies and a number of teams who could always use bullpen help, who think they're on the cusp of contending. Are you surprised that as of, I'm looking at the clock, 12.53 p.m. on Friday, J- July 30th, that Richard Rodriguez is a Pittsburgh Pirate. Yes, actually. I thought the three guys that I definitely thought that were going to be moved were going to be Rich Rod, Adam Frazier, and Tyler Anderson. Tyler Anderson was a rental for obvious reasons. He was on a one-year deal. The Pirates had no reason to keep him. Adam Frazier was at the peak of his value, and I think he is going to see a drop a little bit in his value over the rest of the year and next year. I mean, he's done this before, but he's never done it consistently and become an all-star. And then Richard Rodriguez, just because I thought, and I've seen it, the closer market and the pitching market, this, this trade deadline especially, has been absolutely nuts. I mean, you could see that too. Like, I mean, Max Scherzer reportedly gets traded to the Padres, and then all of a sudden him and Trey Turner get sent to the Dodgers. You've seen Jose Barrios get traded. You've seen Clay Holmes, even from the Pirates, get moved to the Yankees. Um, the Yankees have done a lot of good things too. The pitcher market is just so deep that I'm surprised that nobody's at least just, I'm sure teams have at least dipped their foot in the pool on Rodriguez, but I guess Charrington hasn't seen anything that he likes. And that's one thing that I like about what Charrington has done is if he doesn't see what he likes, he's not just going to make a trade to make a trade. That's what you need to do in these kind of things. Maximize the value that you can get. And if he's still here by the end of the trade deadline, I fully expect an offseason trade. Like I fully expect it in terms of the Phillies. You know, this is a team that just kind of give you the Phillies perspective on this. There's been buy or sell debates, you know, basically for the last month and a half. This is a team that, in my opinion, well, not in my opinion, just has been painfully average so far. They win a few games. They lose a few games. They win a game here. They lose a game here. There are 102 games this season. They are exactly 551 and 51. They have been 500. 21 separate times. And yet because of where they stand in the national league East and no one's running away with this division, 
they were in any other division in baseball, they would be sellers. They would be out of it because they're in the NL East. They sit there, you know, they're constantly within three, four games, whatever the case might be. So then the question was, well, how aggressively do you buy? Is just trying to make it to the division series enough? Are you taking the standpoint of, well, just get in the playoffs, anything can happen, which, you know, to an extent is true. I think this rotation needs to be bolstered massively. I really like the Tyler Anderson trade. Not that Tyler Anderson's like a household name or like going and getting a Max Scherzer, but he would have been a quality three, four starter for this team who is much better than the likes of Vince Velasquez. We'll get into a little bit later here. Who's as of right this second projected to start tonight in Pittsburgh, better than Spencer Howard, who can't give you more than three innings, even though he's supposed to be your top pitching prospect in the organization, better than Matt Moore. You went and signed this past offseason, better than Chase Anderson, who has been basically relegated to the bullpen because he can't start games for you. This rotation certainly needs help. I thought a move like Tyler Anderson made a lot of sense. I Not that the Phillies have a ton of spro- prospects to begin with, but if they wanted anything in the form of a, a Scherzer, of a Kimbrel, of there was talk of Chris Bryant, which I thought was too big of a splash to be going after, Mm-hmm. not it, it just based upon where the Phillies are. And I would have rather them gone pitcher anyway. I thought a modest pitcher move like a Tyler Anderson made sense. And of course, as you mentioned, there were health complications that kind of held things up there. But we're sitting here just a little more than three hours before the deadline. And the Phillies, you know, just have not done anything more. And with the exception of uh, Bray Nogle, who I'll ask you about in a second. But I, I think it makes sense for the Phillies to try and add, add, marginally for lack of a better way of putting it, try and win this division. You're not forking over, you know, if you're the Dodgers, it's different. You won the world series last year. You're in full pedal to the metal mode here. You can afford to go after Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, again, household names, bona fide, you know, either start, you know, big time bat in your lineup or bona fide ace. Right. So if I'm the Phillies, I thought a move like that made sense. There's been a number of pitcher names that are, have been thrown out there. You know, Colorado has been shopping Herman Marquez and John Gray, even more specifically, uh, has been rumored with the Phillies. Um, there's been a few other names. Uh, Jose Barrios just got traded uh, for actually a pretty good haul of prospects, uh, returning Austin Martin, who I believe is the you know fifth ranked prospect in baseball. Um, so, you know, guys are on the move here. It's been a big trade deadline thus far, not necessarily for the Phillies, but it's an interesting place where they kind of find themselves here. And I just, I just hope they do something because again, if they keep the roster as is, if they essentially stand pat, which is what they've done so far, they've added a triple a pitcher. They're going to end the season 500. They've done it up to this point. They are not, they're going to fall a few. They're going to sit there and say, we fell a few games short of the playoffs because of how our division was, but that's not really indicative necessarily how the season went, at least in my opinion. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Phillies, uh, but I'm going to throw it back to you. You know, what's the word? I don't know how much you do or don't know if you've ever seen the guy pitch uh, on Braden, Braden Ogle, just because I have no other guys to talk about. Again, it's not Tyler Anderson. When we initially booked this, uh, you know, or set this up to, to do this call and a crossover episode, I believe at that moment, Tyler Anderson was supposed to be a Philly. It got undone. Yeah. And now we're sitting with Bray Nogle. So because I have nothing else to get excited about or to react to, what do you have on this guy? What, what, what are the Phillies getting in a triple-A arm? Um, so over his career, I'll give you, like, numbers first. Over his career, I mean, the guy over five years of being a guy in the minors, he's pitched 162 innings, which is good. 
162 strikeouts to 73 walks. It's not a terrible uh, K to or walk rate. And one of the more interesting things that you bring up about the Phillies, especially if you see it on Twitter all the time, is, oh, this bullpen blows games for them on the regular. Ogle has never had an ERA above a four in his career. Uh, he was a starter, of course, when he first came in, but ever since he's been more of like a reliever and more of a guy that comes in and can get you an inning or two without giving up any runs. And realistically, he comes in with a three, uh, basically a three uh, ERA. I mean, a 3.1 ERA on his career runs allowed per nine innings, uh, 3.83. He's a really good guy. I mean, he never got called up to Pittsburgh just because of the influx of talent that was there at first especially in 2016, 2017. But the thing is with Ogle is, again, I would mainly look at, as you said, um, the Phillies seem like they need help in the bullpen. And I would look at it, which is very ironic today that they traded him today because it's also his birthday. So Philly fans, make sure you extend a good happy birthday to him. And it'd be more interesting, too, that the game's in Pittsburgh. I know he won't be a Philadelphia Philly right now, but it'd be hilarious if he suited up for the Phillies tonight. Um, that has happened, by the way. I think it was Jake yeah. Diekman was the last guy who literally went across the clubhouse. Yep. Uh, stuff, stuff like that does take place. Yeah, and um, in 31 and a half innings so far this year, I mean, 31% of the guys he's faced, he struck out. Uh, he's only walked 17% of those guys. Uh, he has a 50 grade fastball. That's going to always be his best pitch. Um, 94, 96 miles per hour. Um, and the thing is with him too, is like, he's just consistent. And it seems like where you brought up inconsistency, Braden Ogle is consistent again, not a household name, not a lot of guys that people are going to know, but from reports I've seen from most Pittsburgh beat writers, the reason this trade was made is because Abraham Gutierrez is a like lower in the system and they're both rule five eligible. And it's ton easier to keep a guy if he's rule five eligible, like a Gutierrez who's lower in the system than it is to keep a triple a reliever. But I would fully expect if the Phillies made this trade, they would keep him, and they should keep him because he could be a help in that bullpen that really just needs a influx of consistency and going into the series, which we'll get into later. I mean, if the Phillies can win three games here in the series, which they in all terms should, um, that'd be huge for them. I mean, it really would be. And, but I like this trade for both teams. We already liked Gutierrez. Obviously he was a part of the Anderson deal. Now we get them a different way. So for, for Phillies fans, I wouldn't get like bounce off the walls, happy about Braden Ogle, but he's somebody that you can look to, to bring you like one or two consistent innings after a starter comes out. Yeah. Just in terms of the series at PNC park this weekend, uh, first of all, the Phillies just have not been a good road team for a while here. They generally st struggle away from Citizens Bank Park, as I mentioned, painfully average this entire season as we sit here on July 30th, 51 and 51. Seems like they win a game, lose a game, win two, lose two. No matter how you slice it up, they're going to win just as much as they lose. And a lot of the losses are painful and a lot of the wins are they had two huge comeback wins against the Nationals just to stay at 500 here this week, both on walk-off home runs. This is a team that often plays down to its competition, so you're right. You know, the Phillies should win three. Somehow they won't. Hopefully they can at least win two of three from the Pirates uh, this weekend. Give me an inside look. You know, what's keeping you, you know, besides hosting Locked on Pirates and just being, you know, a baseball diehard at heart, what is, uh, you know, what's keeping you coming back to watch this Pirates team day in and day out, even before the trade deadline? Like, Obviously, they're not having a good season. Wasn't that long ago that the Phillies were having seasons similar to this? I'm not going to 
pretend like it's totally flipped a corner or anything. That's the longest playoff drought in the National League for the Phillies. Haven't made the playoffs since the year 2011. But there have been some seasons that you're just not even close. You're 20 games out by the turn of August. The dog days of summer, the ballparks more than, you know, three quarters empty. And there's a lot of AAA guys you haven't heard of. What has kept you watching up to this point? What's what's had your attention up to this point? And over the last two months of the season, I mean, are we going to see a AAA lineup here this weekend? Or, you know, what, what's kind of give, give me the season summary for the Pirates. Um, so obviously the key Brian Hayes injury earlier in the year was kind of unfortunate, but he's obviously back now. He has been kind of in a slump lately. The up and in fastballs have kind of been hurting him, but I'm looking for him now with Adam Frazier getting traded and some of these guys leaving to take a leadership role. I know he's very young, but that's what they want to see in him. They want to see him take a leadership role. Um, I'm happy Brian Reynolds bounced back from what was an abysmal 2020. I've thrown every stat I've seen in 2020 out the door in terms of any player that I watched last year. And outside of 2020, Brian Reynolds is a career above 300 hitter. So why would I consider a 60 game season where he hit under 200? Um, JT Brubaker has been a very good pitcher for us this year. He was a very big surprise for us. Um, I've heard his name in trade Hawks as well. Uh, as far as like what I'm looking for over the next two months, I mean, realistically, it's not really about obviously record at this point. You've already, you're already out of the playoff picture. That's not even a question. Um, individual performances. I mean, it's nice to see a guy like Rodolfo Castro. I believe his streak ended last night, but his first five hits in the majors were all home runs. He's the first player since 1901 to ever do that. So that was nice to see. Uh, John Nagowski has been a very big surprise. He was very fun. He was a waiver pickup from the Cardinals with the Colin Moran injury. More importantly, we have some guys coming back from injuries, though. Stephen Brault, he's in a rehab assignment right now. I'm excited to see what he can bring again. He'll basically be the left-hand pitcher replacement for Anderson. He's been very decent over his career. Mitch Keller, who we optioned to AAA, is now coming back. I want to see if he learned anything down there or if he's just becoming a lost cause. If you remember, Vince Keller was a top prospect in baseball not even a couple of years ago, uh, but he's never been able to find it. Um, who replaces Adam Frazier? I like Castro as the replacement, but if we bring up Marcano, that'd be nice to see him play. Um, ben Gamble, I'd like to see him finish this season off pretty well, maybe come into next year as an outfielder to give some of these young guys some time. Um Outside of that, realistically, what keeps bringing me back is just the fact that I'm a Pirates fan. I know that's like kind of like the boring answer, but uh, what keeps bringing me back is individual performances. I mean, if JT Brubaker goes out there or Will Crow, like you said, who starts tonight, goes out there, pitches six good innings, nice to see. Maybe it leads to something better. Um, I already have my key Brian Hayes jersey, so I'm already fully sold on him, so I might as well watch him play. And as I've told Pirates fans all year, if you want to watch – I, I hate to say it this way, more entertaining baseball, go watch the Indianapolis Indians or, or as advocated the Indianapolis guardians, um, go watch the Altoona curve, go watch the Greensboro grasshoppers. Cause you're going to get to see all these guys that are going to be up here soon. And that's the other thing I could say, I host a podcast on the team right now. That's not very good, but come three or four years, I'm going to know almost everything about all these guys because I've taken the time to watch them play. That's kind of how I felt, you know, circa like 2015, 2016, 2017 Phillies. You know, it's fun when you see the entire process kind of play itself out. And, you know, there's something odd Ooh. about baseball when the team's bad. Like you come back, I would come back every day and just pretend it's like it's opening day every single day. I forgot about the previous hundred games. I forget about 
the 60 games that are coming up in this particular case. And I would be like, look, today's just opening day. Maybe they'll win today. I'm going to watch this particular guy. And if they lose, they lose. My expectations were lowered. It's almost worse now when the expectations have been risen because you have Bryce Harper in year three of his contract and the Phillies have yet to make the playoffs since he's here. You have year one of a five-year deal with JT Realmuto. You have Zach Wheeler pitching like an all-star. You have Aaron Nola and Zach Eflin, who I would say are having disappointing seasons, well, more so Aaron Nola having a disappointing season by his own standards. Zach Eflin pitching more like a three starter, which is, you know, probably what he is, but kind of a step back from then consistent improvement we had seen him on. The rotation lackluster as a whole, it's easy to point to the bullpen and say, well, it's blown this game, it's blown that game. Believe it or not, it's a lot better than it was last year just because it physically couldn't get any worse. And actually, there's been a number of good bullpen appearances recently that have kept the Phillies in these games. And, you know, no one wants to give credit when Hector Naris actually goes through a scoreless inning or you get a couple scoreless um, from whoever, the, a Connor Brogdon or a Bailey Falter when he's not on the COVID IL, whatever the case might be. No one says, wow, the bullpen really pitched well tonight. It's only a scapegoat when it's bad. You kind of expect the best and anything worse than that is, is not acceptable. But there's been a lot of runners left on base with this team. The defense, just the physical fielding on this team has been bad. And they, they've played like a 500 team. They've looked like a 500 team. They've played like a 500 team. And so that's how you get a 500 team. But that is almost more disappointing where the Phillies are now. And again, there's two months left. And I've talked myself into saying, I don't think they're like, if I had to predict right now, I don't think they will make the playoffs to be clear, but I mean, it could happen. It mathematically could happen if they add something at this deadline in the next couple of hours, like they're within striking distance to do it. There's no one in the national league East that I say that team is definitively going to run away with this thing. Cause it would have happened by now. So it kind of keeps your interest. It's infuriating to watch this team sometime the way sometimes the way they find ways to lose games. But that is far more annoying in my standpoint than being 22 games at a first, having no expectations and saying, hey, that guy pitched well tonight. Or, you know, I can take solace in the fact that that guy did this or this guy did this down in the minor league because it makes the outcome, the outcome of the game feel a little bit less, I don't want to say significant because, you know, wins and losses are what ultimately matters, but it's not the main story every single time. Like it sometimes takes a back seat to, you know, how the guys played. So I'm going to get to a few of the names you mentioned because we're going to see them this weekend and you can kind of give me a preview of what you're expecting these pitching matchups. I can tell you what you're going to see in Vince Velasquez. He's a guy who is all over the plate, sometimes struggles, oftentimes struggles to find the zone, struggles with command. This is the sixth, the sixth chance the Phillies have given this guy. Uh, he will be starting tonight again, assuming he isn't traded in the next couple of hours here. And believe me, there'd be a lot of people happy to see Vince Velasquez exit Philadelphia, but he'll be going up against Will Crow from the Pirates. You know, what are you looking for in Crow? And, you know, if this is a game where it's not so important whether the Pirates win or lose, if you're just watching Crow, I mean, is he your player to watch tonight or is there someone on the offense that you'll be keeping an eye on too? Um, I think you still have to always keep an eye on Castro. And by the way, I'll give you something to be slightly happy about while we're doing this. I've been on my phone the whole oh, time. Oh, did, it, did a trade break? Uh, no trade broke. Okay, okay. But I don't know how you feel about this. But per source, the Phillies are making a hard push for Rangers starter Kyle Gibson. I, so that's another that name that's been be thrown fun. around a number of times. 
uh, to yep. you know fill out the back end of this rotation. I would certainly be look. I don't want to say yeah, just give up the farm for Kyle Gibson, but I that's exactly the type of guy I would like to see them target. Oh yeah, but uh, as far as like who I'm looking to watch, I mean every night you're looking at the pitcher. Obviously, uh, Crow has been a lot like Velasquez. He's been all over the place. He's been kind of like iffy in most of his starts. Uh, of course, I'm always looking to see Brian Reynolds and key Brian Hayes to stay like consistent, keep the offense consistent, which again did not happen in this series against the Brewers, where again, we were out for 28 to three and our only runs came from Rodolfo Castro. Um, outside of that, I mean, Wilmer Defoe is still here. He's doing some certain things that have been good for the offense and the defense. Uh, can Kevin Newman keep being the defensive mastermind that he's been this year? Uh, Gregory Polanco, I think this is his last season as a pirate. So, I mean, I just look to see if he can keep playing up to his standards of what we had for him five or six years ago. I don't think it continues to happen, but it might happen. Um, and you know, that's just how it is. I mean, every night you could say you're looking at this one guy, but then the guy you're not looking at does something. So, but one of the big things I'm looking at now, especially if you've noticed most of the moves the Pirates have made from what I've told you, Clay Holmes, Braden Ogle, Tyler Anderson, you've seen pit pitchers go. I want to see what pitchers step up now, like out of the bullpen or step up in the rotation. And as I said, most of the guys that I want in the rotation are injured right now. I mean, Stephen Brault, I'd love to see him come back. Miguel Yahure, who is having a good start to the year from the Yankees trade as well, it should be coming back soon. I'm just looking to see some consistency from the bullpen that we saw at the beginning of the year at the one time we were over 500 we were over 500 twice that was one and zero and 12 and 11 it's been a very long time since we've been over 500 um but that's really what i'm looking for in this series just pitch well hey score more than three runs over three games that'd be really nice you don't have to win any of the games but at least score like maybe like nine or ten runs rather than three um and if i had to guess i will say i think we steal one game I think you guys ultimately win the series, but I do think we steal at least one game. And then the Phillies will come back and, you know, find a way to even that out next week. Don't worry. They'll, they'll find a way to hit the 500 <laughs> mark, but they, they have to, yeah, someone has to win two of three in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has not been a friendly place to the Phillies uh, in recent memory. I mean, no road places, but specifically, I, I remember some brutal games in Pittsburgh against some bad pirates teams where they just, find ways to lose two or three. It always feels like a midsummer weekend too, where they we're playing you guys out in Pittsburgh. And it's always, it's a beautiful stadium. Don't get me wrong. I'm actually going to ask you about that in a second, because I don't know if you are the same way I am, like just like a ballpark fanatic across baseball. I've personally been to 10 of them and PNC quite literally might be the nicest, like the way they have laid that entire stadium out. So I'll get your take on that in a second, but Pittsburgh has not been a friendly place for the Phillies. Uh, just crosstown rivalry, I guess you could say. I, I, I don't know what your take is. I'll, I'll get you your takes on a few things, Pittsburgh, actually, here. Uh, number one is your thoughts on PNC Park, where it ranks in all of the stadiums of baseball. Just for people listening who don't know, you're checking in from Savannah, Georgia, so I don't know how often you get back up to Pittsburgh to go to games here. Number two is, do you share in my belief that, like, people, I don't know if, I don't know exactly how to word this, but that people make too much of the cross-state rivalry thing. Like, again, it's both Pennsylvania, but I feel more of a connection or rivalry with, say, New York or Washington, D.C. or even Boston here in Philadelphia. Like, mm -hmm. Pittsburgh kind of just seems, like, far out there. I've driven to Pittsburgh 
it's the it's the cities that bookended the state and there's a lot of you know Pennsylvania as people like to say in between it doesn't feel like anything remotely similar so do you feel is the Philadelphia Pittsburgh rivalry a big deal to you or not and then I don't know when the last time I know you you said your family's from Pittsburgh I don't know how long it's been since you've been there or you know been in the area but I I would absolutely love to uh, you know stir up a Wawa sheets debate if you're up for that too so I'll, you can go in order. Um, so PNC Park, I would rank in the top five, at least it'd be up there with, um, Camden Yards, I think has to be on that list, uh, Wrigley Field as well. See, uh, I, I've never been to Wrigley, which is on my bucket list. Like yeah, my neither have I. List. Uh, the buck, the, the places I've been to are PNC Park, Old Turner Field in Atlanta and, uh, Target Field in Minnesota. I have not been to too many, um, but I would put PNC Park up there in the top five. My top five in no order would be PNC Park, Camden Yards, Wrigley Field, Fenway, and why can I not think of the giant stadium name now? It like oh, changes. It, well, it was AT&T, then Oracle. Did they change it again? Or is it just Oracle? I think it's still Oracle Park. Okay, so Oracle Park. But yeah, that would be my top five. I PNC's up there. It's not only just because of the view either. I mean, you get to eat Permani Brothers in the stadium. You get to eat anything that you can think of almost I see light is a staple there. Also it's the beer that they have in Pittsburgh. And again, I mean, day or night, the, the backdrop of seeing the Roberto Clemente bridge, you see Manny Sanguian's barbecue smoke going up over that big center field wall. Uh, you see almost everything that you can see. And it's honestly, and I hate to say it this way, it's a wonderful ballpark for opposing fan bases. I was there in June for the Cleveland Indian series, and it was like 50 50 Cleveland Pittsburgh fans. So well, Cleveland's not that it was far, fun. I mean, the Pirates and... won. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brian Reynolds hit one into the Allegheny that day, which is something you rarely see in Pittsburgh, but that was nice to see them pick up a win in that game. Um, as far as the Pittsburgh Philly rivalry, I think in baseball, in hockey, football, in hockey by far, yes, yeah. it's there. But I like think every in, other sport, I think in baseball, yeah, I think in baseball and football, it's a little difficult because one, the Pirates and the Phillies aren't in the same division, and the Steelers and the Eagles aren't even in the same conference. So they see exactly each other right. like what once every three years. So that can add to the rivalry because the Eagles, the last time we played you guys, I think we won thirty-eight to twenty-nine. Claypool had like three touchdowns or some wild number. And, but like the time before that, Carson Wentz, who, of course, is no longer an Eagle, ripped us apart three years before that. So maybe that adds to the intrigue. As far as baseball, though, I think it would take both teams being very good at the same exact time, which has not happened in a very For long like time. For like the cross-state rivalry kind of thing. For winning the world. Sure, yeah. yeah. Like sure. It, would, it would be like the Mets and the Yankees playing each other like in the World Series. It would but even so, like the Mets, everything. but the Mets and Yankees are in the same city. Like Philly and Pittsburgh, it's so easy to look at state lines and say they're there. Like they're five hours apart. Like mm-hmm. I, I always thought it, felt it was a little forced. It's just in sports other than hockey. And then also, do you have a? I, I don't know. Again, you said you were there in June. Do Do you have like a? Or do you feel strongly about? Because I know people in PA get you know strongly attached to their convenience stores. Are you like a pro sheets guy? Pro sheets. I mean, yeah, but I have nothing against Wawa. If that loses. I don't need. I had sheets for the first time just a few weeks ago, and I'll admit it was very, very good. Like the nearest one's about an hour from here. It's very, very yeah. good. 
Uh, I'm more used to Wawa. I grew up on Wawa. I think I prefer the hoagies to the chicken sandwiches, but the chicken was incredible. And a lot of the stuff that isn't behind the counter is similar or the same. Yeah. And the thing is, too, is it's also the best drunk food on the planet. <laughs> really I, I think I think either one of them would, would suffice in, yeah. in that realm. I mean, both of them are. Yeah. Yeah. Like and that's the thing is I'm not against it either way, but I will say Permani Brothers to me. I've never had like an authentic Philly cheesesteak. So my opinion is biased. But how many places are you going where you can get coleslaw and fries on a sandwich without having to do it yourself? I've had Permani Brothers. It's, it's very, very good. I was out there a couple of years ago. Uh, I'll kind of end the uh, the episode here just on a baseball topic. So your official your official prediction is what? Pirates win one out of three here? Yes. Okay. <laughs> maybe, also, maybe. 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 Are you at a point where are you actively rooting? Like, will you root for the Pirates in game or do you, do you root against? Like, are you all in on the tank? Like, where, where's your mindset on that? Ironically, it depends on who we're playing. Like with the Phillies, I just like seeing chaos because obviously we're not a part of it. So sure, the Phillies sweep not. us. That causes chaos because of the Phillies sweep. And let's say the Mets lose two or three. That division gets closer and closer. Also, the Atlanta so you're, you're a baseball Eddie fan Rosario. at heart. You, yeah. Yeah. And the Braves just acquired Eddie Rosario I saw that, yeah. and Adam Duvall. Saw that. So, I mean, I kind of want just chaos to happen. Like, all the stuff going on in the NL West, I sympathize with it a lot because the Pirates were a part of that in 2015 with St. Louis and Chicago, where all three of them had the three best records in baseball, but the Pirates lost in the wildcard game and didn't have anything to show for it. So, anytime, it depends on who we're playing. But obviously, at the root of things, I'm still going to root for the Pirates. I don't want them to get to Diamondbacks level where they're like a 110 loss team, which can very well happen. I mean, I was going to say, what what what, what is the pace we're looking at right here? They're at 64 losses with about 60 games to go. They could they could get there. I would say I I mean I would say they probably probably closer to like 100 105. Yeah, probably they'll lose 40 or 45 of the games they play the rest of the year, which is not terrible. Um, I mean, realistically, again, though, who's going to really care if they lose 100 or 105? I mean, it, it is what it is. It doesn't really matter. Season You're anyway. Right. Yeah. Really um, quick. I was I, on record as saying that they were going to lose 99 games because I refused for them to lose 100 games. But we'll see if that happens or not. Really quickly, I, the game I was at two years ago, let's see, you know, how good your memory of just a bad Pirates games is. I have a weird knack for remembering, like, just bad Phillies team games. Uh, Kevin Newman walk-off home run the final weekend of the season in 2019. I was at that game because yep. uh, I was out in Pittsburgh that weekend, uh, you know, visiting some people. Just happened to work out. That was my own, first and only time at PNC Park. Awesome game to go to. Anything, uh, you know, anything else you uh, got from me? Anything else you're looking forward to this weekend? I, I and from a Phillies point of view, as I mentioned, uh, Velasquez, hopefully he can give some innings. I hate the term innings eater. I've said this a few times here on the podcast. I hate the term innings eater because I think it's usually an excuse for yeah. guys who just aren't that good and, you know, just pitch a lot of innings. But the Phillies could use an innings eater. It will have a ripple effect on the rotation, it will obviously give them better production out of their starting rotation, but it will also, their bullpen is just taxed night after night because some of these starters cannot go deep in the game. Vince Velasquez has been, you know, a culprit of that a number of times, and they got Spencer Howard scheduled for Sunday. So we'll see if anything happens here at the deadline, but the fact that they have, I mean, the, the Pirates, 
if the goal is to win these games, are getting two prime opportunities again, Velasquez tonight and Spencer Howard on Sunday. Probably going to see the bullpen a lot. Probably going to see a tax bullpen by the end of the series. It could be a, a decent opportunity for them to steal two of three. And I have a weird feeling. I'll say the Phillies win two out of three. I'll, I'll be optimistic here. I would not be surprised at all if they find a way to win one here just because of how frustrating it is. But anything uh, else on the Pirates front, anything else you're looking for in this series, rest of the season, or even around baseball? I mean, just what have you made of this trade deadline so far and how nuts it is? Anything uh, big time surprising you? Stacy got Solius can get mad at me all she wants. The Yankees are still missing playoffs. I don't care what they did. I don't care if they picked up Joey Gallo and whoever. They're still missing the playoffs. I don't, so do you, so- I, I don't see it. Are you going on record that it was a bad idea for them to buy, as especially as aggressively as they have thus far? I'll, again, you, you brought up the word aggressive. I wouldn't have been mad if they bought, but they bought a lot. They bought it. Baseball's built the way for them to do that. It's just how it is. But I don't see what Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo, who are not average hitters, like batting average hitters, which has been their problem this year, is going to do for them. But well, they're, they're going I'd all like in on the power the, thing, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see the Giants win the NL West just because I think it'd be different. Um, it's Gabe Kapler, manager. Yeah, uh, AL-wise, I mean, I'm slightly more of a Red Sox guy than a Yankees guy, so I'd like to see them keep pace too. Um, the Athletics are another team I'm very intrigued by. I think they can keep pace with Houston, hopefully, and make a wild card. But realistically, there's some teams that people need to watch. The Phillies are not out of it, as you said. The Reds in my own division, not out of it. Um, the Seattle Mariners, I don't know why they traded Kendall Graveman to the Astros, but they're not out of it either. Two and a half out um, of a wild so card really, spot. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just that's why I love baseball, especially the full season again. It's just nice to go back into August, September, October kind of format. And I think come September, especially things will pick up for the Pirates because you're going to see some AAA guys come up. But it'll be interesting to see how teams formulate after all these trades, because this has been, weirdly enough, I think this has been one of the more active trade deadlines in a while. Oh, it has. And it, it's been really entertaining. It's been an entertaining just couple days of sports in general. You have the NBA draft last night, but really good for the sport that there's a lot of activity here, a lot of talk of baseball uh, in the mm-hmm. season where the ratings are actually up a year after having a 60-game season. Now kind of speaks to debunk some of the, you know, is baseball dying conversation. There's a number of mm-hmm. talks of how to improve baseball, how to change baseball for better or worse. Uh, there's some rule changes that look like they're going to go away next season that have stayed from the pandemic year. But look, people are into it. And that's certainly a good thing for the game as a whole. Uh, Ethan Smith, where can the people find you? I know, you know, locked on pirates, but uh, what else you got going on? Uh, Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan. You'll see me talking about the Steelers. Of course, training camp just started and we're only a week away from the Hall of Fame game against Dallas. So that's always wild to think about when you get so invested in the baseball and then you realize next week you get a football game to watch that isn't pre-recorded. Um, but you can also see me talk about the Los Angeles Clippers. I liked a lot of the stuff they did in the draft yesterday. Um, the Penguins, I don't know what the world they're doing right now. As a Flyers fan, I'm going to be honest, from an outside source, I have no idea what you're doing either. So I think we're going to start seeing some more slugfest between the Flyers and the Penguins. And, of course, I talk about the Pirates and other topics as well. Um, if you're watching the Olympics, I believe there's a guy from Pittsburgh yesterday who was in, like, the rowing championships or something that he did. I don't know if you won or not. 
Um, but realistically, I talk about anything sports, so you can follow me over there again at MVP underscore Ethan. And I will also advocate on this and let me double check. We have to get Dan Wilson verified. Uh, yeah, I'm not verified. Yeah, we um, have to get this man verified. We, we can't we can't all it's either we're all verified or we're not at all. That's oh, where I'm it's at a team this. effort. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I don't know how many of the locked on hosts are verified or have not. I have. No, I know most of them are, but I have not followed. I know there are still some left. I don't know how exactly. So let me ask you this. And, you know, obviously the Twitter verification, just, you know, a life changing process, I'm sure. Yeah. How, what was the did you have to do anything or was it just did it just pop up for you? OK, so it just popped up for me. But the only thing I heard is you can't change your username. If you change your username, it gets taken off. It gets taken. Well, I have not changed my username. I have never been verified. Presumably everyone was applied on behalf, uh, you know, the network applied on behalf of everyone. So I must have done or said something wrong to, uh, you know, keep myself from getting verified here. I, I cannot tell you what that is. I have not inquired. I have not put the time and effort necessary to get myself to that status. Uh, but you're right. I'm, I think, in the minority now, certainly of the locked on MLB hosts, maybe locked on hosts in general for all sports, those who are not verified. But yes, if you want to give myself on my unverified account, I uh, follow at Dan underscore Wilson for follow the podcast at LO underscore Phillies. We'll see if they do anything at this deadline. Been kind of, you know, following along here. We're fin- wrapping up this podcast right around 1.30 on Friday. It's refresh your Twitter every five seconds hours. Oh, it's great. Isn't it great? Though? How did people live without Twitter or the Internet? In Like, what did you do for the trade deadline? You just got up the next day and read the newspaper? Like, that doesn't work. So it, it's been really, really fun. Of course, you know, you can you're waiting for something to happen. So it's easy to get baited into fake reports and stuff like that. But to see stuff develop and see reports develop is very, very cool. And I'm sure I, you know, as someone who is kind of blossoming, 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 I can speak, right. Blossoming in the media industry. You know, I sound like a broadcaster already. It is kind of cool for me to see these things develop in different ways and in different yep. stages like that. So that is really, really cool. But yeah, Follow me on Twitter at Dan underscore Wilson for the podcast at LO underscore Phillies talking all things Phillies every single day. Uh, Phillies big series, not so big in terms of wins and losses for the Pirates this weekend. Hopefully the Phillies can take advantage. Big road trip here. Three in Pittsburgh, four in Washington against two teams who are selling at the deadline, right? Like this is the Phillies having one of the main selling points on the Phillies being buyers at this point or contending in the NL East is their schedule remaining. They have the pirates here that I know they haven't even stepped on the field with the pirates all season. They play them again in September. They play the nationals for four next week. I see this, you know, the Arizona diamondbacks coming up. I twice actually in the month of August, I see the nationals coming up again at the end of August and into September, the Marlins, you have the Rockies, the three with the Orioles followed by four with the pirates. There are a lot of winnable series on this schedule remaining for the Phillies and their games, they absolutely have to have. And history has not always been on their side and taking advantage in situations where they need to, but if nothing else, you have to play just slightly better baseball than you have to this point. You could find yourself uh, in a playoff spot, but Ethan, this was fun. We'll definitely have to do it again when the Phillies and pirates square off in uh, late September, who knows where these two teams will be by then. Yeah, honestly.